This week's guest went from serving his country in the military to now serving up the best emails in the market with his recent move to Lavender, which is the number one and best AI email assistant you could ask for. I'm so excited to welcome not only one of the best professionals in the SaaS industry, but one of the best human beings in the industry as well. So please join me in welcoming Mr. Mike Wander to the show. Hey, Tyler. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing so well, man. It's so excited to to have you on here. Obviously, you've been able to build a relationship over the past couple, uh, I was going to say years. It feels like we've been friends for a long time, but it, it's just been a, right. a few months at this point. But Mike, so excited to talk to you, man. I mean, it's uh, keeping the lights on, brand new show we rolled out. And, and one of the big things we're talking about today is we want to talk about your military experience, how that's helped you in, in uh, getting prepared. And for everybody, you know, we have a jam-packed show for everyone today. So um, I just wanted to remind everyone, first and foremost, please don't hesitate to drop any questions that you may have um, down in the, in the, the comments. Uh, please provide your two cents, your 10 cents, or maybe even your dollar as well. Mike, Mike will be happy to, uh, to jump in there. So Mike, today's agenda, we're going to be talking about your military history and, and some of the tangible skills you developed what that experience and what that preparation taught you about civilian life, how you could use that preparation in sales, hitting the ground running in 2023, some of your best tips and, and so much more. Now, uh, are you ready to do this thing? Let's do it. All right, Mike. So let's jump in to your military background, right? And I want to I start by, um, by saying thank you so much for Mike, uh, for anybody who, who doesn't know this story or listen, Mike, Mike was on uh, the 20% podcast a couple months ago. And he, he, he was on at a very pivotal time right before I was starting Atlanta. And when I was really feeling that you know, first time going in as a, a first head of sales, super nervous. I had the, um, and I'm sure Mike could talk about uh, how, how nervous I was there too, jumping in, um, really had a lot of imposter syndrome. But Mike yeah. told me this story about when he was getting ready to go to basic training, how, um, how he had that same gut and that same nerves. So Mike, let's tell everybody, could you, could you just start that story about when you're sitting on the bus getting ready to go to, to basic training. Tell, tell everybody a little bit more about that story and how inspiring it was. Um, maybe not to you, but, but to me for sure. Yeah. Um, man, the bus to basic training, it's, it's a tricky one for everybody, whether you know that it's what you want to do or not. Um, it's just this feeling of the fear of the unknown, right? It's like the definition of fear of the unknown because You've done all this physical training, you've done all this preparation and like whatever plan you think you have, right? There's a calendar for what basic training looks like. Um, it's 90 days in the Marine Corps, right? And you try to break this out, you plan to it. You're like, how am I gonna get through this? You know, what events are at what stage? How does my mindset need to be? And when you pull in to Paris Island for me, right? Uh, it's not like that for everybody. Some people are in you know, San Diego, uh, but when you pull into Paris Island and the bus stops, and you know that the drill instructor is about to get onto the bus and, you know, start yelling at you and tell you to get on the yellow footprints. Your life is about to be changed forever. And it's not just that, you know, that's scary, but it's the fact that in your head, you're thinking, I have no idea, right? All I've seen is a calendar. I've seen graphics of what this is going to look like, but I have absolutely no idea what's coming. And so you learn really quickly to just trust yourself and to get comfortable in the, the fear of the unknown. Like I love that. And now, now let's talk about how how that ultimately, you know, 
because, you know, no, no matter who's listening in right now, whether you're just starting a new job, potentially starting a job, or, or you're just nervous in general, right? Trying to have that mindset is really important. Tell everybody about how once you stepped off that bus, how that how that shift in that mindset happened, right? Because we, oh, I think everybody gets wrapped up, or not, maybe not everybody. I'm, I'm speaking for myself, for everybody. But I think a lot of people, when we're going to do something new, get really anxious about it, whether it's sending an email, right? Which um, in the grand scheme of things, is, is really crazy to think about being nervous about. Um, but you know, no matter what we're doing, people are going to be nervous or have some type of anxiety leading up to the things that they're going to be doing. Tell everybody about what what it was with that shift when you when you walked off the bus and and how you had that mindset and to how it really made you successful. And it's just a matter of going to do it, right? Yeah, the mindset shift really was okay. I have this plan, but none of it matters right now, right? Nothing matters right now. I've made this plan. I have to trust myself to stick to the plan. And my plan was, I have three months, I'm gonna make it through it. And I broke those three months down month by month. And then those months, week by week. And then, you know, from there down to the day, right? Cause 90 days is, it doesn't seem like long, but when you're at basic training, it feels like a lifetime. Um, and so what I did was I just shifted it up. I said, I have my plan. Things aren't gonna go as I expect, right? Not everything's gonna go exactly what I want it to be like. I'm gonna have ups and downs, I'm ready for that but here comes day one. So let's focus on day one right now, blank out, keep the plan in the back of your head, move forward, don't stop moving and just keep it going. That's it. It's all about getting, get, getting going, moving, keeping forward. And really what is really interesting when you mentioned there as well, and, and obviously we're going to be tying all this stuff to, to, to sales and what you're doing now, but what you yeah. mentioned was you're taking this big plan of, oh, this is going to be a really long time and we're going to break it down month by month week by week, day by day. And I, I, you probably wanted to break it down second by second at some points, depending on, on where you were. Right. But yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. let's talk about like, so besides, you know, obviously breaking things, breaking down these big goals into small actionable chunks that you could, could get through is, is one of the, the main lessons that you learned from the military. You mentioned preparation and planning, which I know we're going to dive into a little bit further, but what were some of those other tangible skills that you leveraged from the military that you're, that, um, that you're starting to transfer into to what you're doing today as a seller, as a professional, and just as a civilian outside of the military? Yeah, it's, it's really all things leadership. And um, like what I mean by leadership isn't, you know, the basic bones of the stuff. And thanks everybody, right? Thanks everybody for thanking me for my service. Thank you all for, you know, making the most of it. I'm not serving anymore, but thanks to, you know, my brothers and sisters that are out there. Um, yeah, it means the world to them when you guys give them support. But the biggest thing for me is like when people see leadership, they think of like, okay, sports and like, yeah, sure. That's a good example, but leadership in the military is entirely different. And I talked about this a lot with Jack, Jack Ryan over at Saster um, when I first got hired on and it was like, look, when I started sales, right. Um, the worst thing that could happen was somebody told me, no, when I started the military, the worst thing that could happen is somebody died. There's a dramatic shift. Right. And so, the way that I approached leadership in the military was dramatically different. And it's the way that I'll carry it on from here on forever is because it was really about showing everybody I'm going to, it's a different approach. Most people approach leadership as you have to earn my trust and I'm going to earn your trust. I didn't find that good. What I found that worked the best was I automatically give you my trust, right? I'm going to earn your trust as your leader. I'm going to show you why you should trust me, but I'm going to trust you. And then eventually, if you ever mess up, 
if, not when, if you ever mess up, it's not in the sense of like, oh, you know, I failed because you didn't do this for me or I didn't do that. What I found was anybody who messed up that was on my team, they felt guilty, right? Because they felt like they were letting me down. And then it was easier for me to build them back up. Because if somebody ever messes up on your team and they feel like a failure, that's wrong. They should feel like they let you down. Because if they feel like they let you down, that's like they've, it's almost like how I feel about my parents, right? I respect them. I trust them. I want them to, you know, to be there for me. And I don't want to ever let them down. But if I feel like I failed them, then I just view them as a boss, right? And so I, I like Riley there, right? Ownership. It's exactly that, right? I give everyone out there the ability to say, you own what you have. I trust you. I'll give you all the resources that you need. And if this ever goes haywire and you let me down, I'm going to help build you back up. I love that. And in talking about this trust and accountability, right? Like trust is one of the big things that we need uh, is a huge transferable skill coming back into, into sales and in, in, in civilian life here too. talk to me. How, how do you build trust with those people? You know, you're giving, you're so willing to give your trust up to some of these other people. And I think that that helps to be able to, um, to, to open the doors and, and be vulnerable and, and, and try to yeah. help some of those folks. Right. But how do you on the receiving end try to is, is giving that trust to those other people, uh, a leading indicator of them being able to trust you back as well, or how, what are some of your best pieces of advice on trying to get others to trust you? Yeah, absolutely not. I, I give you my trust, Tyler. I, I don't expect because I gave, and this is where people view leadership wrong. Because I gave you trust, I do not expect you to now in turn trust me. The way that I'm going to earn your trust in the military, it was by living with them, by eating with them, you know, by, by working out with them, by doing everything with them, by showing them that no matter where they are, no matter what's going on, I'm right there. Even if I don't have to be in a meeting, whether my Marine is giving a brief or whether he is out there slinging weights, I'm going to be spotting him or I'm going to be in the briefing room backing him up in case that he has a question, right? That he can't answer. And in the sales world, you can't live with them. You can't eat with them and all that other stuff. But what you can do is you can share best practices with them. You can meet with them every day. You can ask them how they're doing. You can remember their family's name, their brother's and sister's name. You can remember their, if they have dogs, if they have, like if they have pets, right? You can remember little things. That's how you earn someone's trust. You remember little things about them and you always show up. You're consistent because the day that you're not there, they're going to be asking you, are you okay? Right? And that's that's, that's when you know building. you have someone's trust. That's when you know you have someone's trust. And I want somebody to know. For you, right? Exactly. When they start to care for you and they start to see you as a family member, right? Not just a teammate. That's how you know you really have someone's trust. I want you to know that if you walk into a demo and you're not fully prepared, I'm willing to give 30 minutes of my time to sit there in that demo with you and to walk through it and be there right by your side and not ask for anything at the end. Dude, that, that's phenomenal. There's so many things. And I see this, this chat is blowing up here. I see Daniel, Riley, Dean, Alex, everybody, every keep, keep dropping all these awesome comments down here below. And if you have any questions as we're going along here, please let us know. Uh, Zay will keep them up for me uh, towards the end here as well. Now, yeah. some, of the, some of the other things that you mentioned here as well, Mike, is, or some of the things that I, I'm hearing is you're in the trenches with your teams, right? And, you're, and you have that attention, attention to detail. What do you think, how do you think leader, sales leaders 
could do a better job of trying to be in the trenches with some of their teams as well. And, and you know, I, I've seen some things where, you know, leaders are jump in and, and make uh, some cold calls with their team or something like yeah. that. Right? Or like, you know, I, I saw a couple weeks ago, uh, a VP of sales, like people were so hyped that he jumped in and was making some cold calls, like getting in the trenches and getting your hands dirty and not being afraid to do that is a huge leadership lesson that I know I'm going to continue to take here at Lantern. Um, but I, I'd love to hear from your perspective, how do you think that uh, in the sales world, um, outside of just calls and stuff like that, we could really get in and start um, getting in the trenches more frequently as well? I think there's two ways to go about it. You can be in the trenches because you want to be, and you can be in the trenches because you want to set an example. Um, being in the trenches because you want to be, your team is going to learn through osmosis. Being in the trenches because you're trying to set an example comes off as watch what you're doing, right? I'm right here. I'm doing it too. And if I can do it, like, it's kind of like, hey, it's not that your job is on the line, but it's like what you do is on the line, right? Because I'm showing you that I can do it better. Don't be like that. Um, what you should do is a good example is, is really what Jack did, right? When I first joined at Saster, Jack, you know, he had, he had me BCC him on every first, you know, probably 100 emails that I ever sent. And when he had the time, he went back through and he read them. He didn't have to, but he did. And then he provided me feedback, right? He said, hey, I, I liked this or I didn't like that. Um, hey, I loved how you mentioned this. I might start using that, right? And it wasn't always corrections. It was a lot of constructive feedback, which I loved and it made me better. But some of it was like, dude, this is really good. And I, I might, I might want to start using that. And what it built instantaneously was, wow, this is a really, you know, a give and a take relationship, right? I'm giving him some tad bits of information. He's also giving me some tad bits of information. We're actually, you know, we're learning from each other and we're working together, right? Yeah, I mean, and ultimately as well is it, what Jack did as well. A shout out to Jack. I see he's in the in the comments as below as well. It's it's he allowed you to to own to to get some ownership of that process as well. And and it, when you have that ownership as a rep, um, you get their buy in, and it, that that I think is another leading indicator of you know Dean just said uh, camaraderie, right? It's it's being able to get everybody uh, rowing in the same boat and, and really giving them that ownership. And when you have reps that are uh, that are owning a process or saying, you know, I've had some bosses in the past as well. Shout out to Michelle Peach, who says, I want you to own this pricing conversation. What do you think? Give me a solution. Get, get, provide me with a solution that you think is beneficial. And then ultimately as well, then we could reiterate and we could fix that then potentially. But it sounds like you had a lot of that ownership as well. And I know it pumps reps up like crazy when they have the opportunity to really own that process. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's not that it just pumps you up, right? It makes you feel like you have a place, that you're not just this other number. And in the military, that's what it is. I'm a number, right? In the military, I had my DOD ID number. If I died, someone replaced me the next day. I knew that, right? I knew that. I knew that going in. And sales, it sometimes can feel that way, right? You're a sales number, sales hire number 15, right? I'm sure you have a name. But at the end of the day, you don't hit your quota. Guess what? You're going to a PIP or whatnot, and you're, you're gone. Um as a leader, you can take away that stigma, right? You can make sure your team doesn't feel that way. You can make sure your team knows that they all have a place. And the way that you can do that, and we're talking a lot about the tactical level, is you can go in and help them work through a plan, right? Um, you, you gave them this quota, and whether they've had jobs in the past or not, don't just assume that they automatically know how to set up their plan, right? Show them what top performers at your company, their new company, have done 
to set up a plan to succeed for the year, to hit their quota, right? Don't just assume like, oh, they're going to know how to just set up a plan and I'll just jump in at the tactical level. Really be there every step of the way. Really help draw that out with them. Because as a leader, right, if I say Riley is my new AE, right, and I'm his, I'm his VP of sales and, and Riley's my new AE, hey, Riley, you got a $3 million quota. Go hit it, buddy. I'll, I'll see you in the trenches, right? I'm one of those, oh, I'll see you in the trenches. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Like, cool. As you know, my boss is cool, whatever. He's going to help me. He's going to be in the trenches with me. But now Riley's by himself figuring out, okay, I got a $3 million quota. How do I hit this $3 million quota? You know, like, sure, he's going to have his rough idea and things like that. But I'm completely out of loop as a leader on how Riley plans to hit his quota. So now if Riley's slipping, I have no idea. I don't know if he's on pace for his plan. I don't know if he's not on pace for his plan. As a leader, it's really easy. Keep an Excel doc, have each team member on an Excel doc, write down the basic things you should know about them, their favorite foods, all that other stuff. And then also ask for what their plan is and then write it down so that you can follow along, right? As a leader, if I said, hey, Riley, I know you said, you know, your quota is 3 million for the year. And I know for Q1, you really wanted to close a million dollars. I know we're at 750,000 great progress, but how can I help you get there? Right? How can I help you close that extra 250,000 to hit your goal? And immediately he's going to have more respect for you because he never asked you to remember his plan, but the fact that you did, he knows you care. You're not, you're not just there to fire, right? You're not just there to see a number grow. You're there because you care. And I think that allows, and obviously it shows that level of care and it allows you to uh, to come together. But but ultimately as well, I mean, I think it, it what allows you to do is it sets proper expectations and in, in what it does as well is it, uh, and I think that's one of the, a huge thing from from leaders uh, that uh, reps need to have with their leaders, but making sure that you're, you're setting these proper expectations with your team, but ultimately showing them that you care. I mean, it's just a level of care. It's just being a human, right? Like it, yeah. it's really, it's really crazy. Now, I know you mentioned we're, we're going to keep uh, picking on Riley here. Shout out to Riley. Um, so say you had that $3 million quota for Riley. He he okay. shouldn't be just qu- trying to hit that $3 million mark because that's ultimately – that doesn't leave you any room for failure. I know you have a really great process uh, around how you prepare and, and plan yours. I think it's not your 90-60-10 rule. Could you tell everybody a little bit more about how – you use that and ultimately how that helps to drive you with your planning, your preparation, and ultimately your execution in sales. Yeah, for sure. So Riley, my guy, I'm going to keep using you. <laughs> so you have a $3 million quota, right? I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to talk to you about it, right? Um, and this is what's worked for me, right? This is what's worked for me. So this is really how I plan my year. I give myself a 90% chance to hit my quota. Okay. So at $3 million, I have a 90% chance to hit my quota. I will then give myself, what would I have at a 60% chance? Okay. And so I take my $3 million, right? And I'll multiply that by 30% because there's a 30% difference between 90 and 3 million, right? Um, And that's my buffer. Riley's already kind of talking about it, right? So I give myself a buffer. Say it's 3.75 because I don't feel like doing the math right now. So it's 3.75. Then I go to my 10% probability plan. So at from 60, you know, to 10%, there's a 50% change. So at 3.75 million, I then multiply that by 50%. Say I'm at 5.25 million. So I have a 10% chance of hitting $5.25 million, right? And what I do is I plan to my 10%, 
Because if I'm planning to my 10%, then I already am way ahead of what I was going to have to do to hit my 90% goal. So what that allows me to do is it kind of improves my mental health because I can leave my thought of hitting quota at the front door, right? I, I can leave it at the front door. I don't have to worry about it. I can take some days off. I can go on vacation every once in a while, right? Because so long as I'm doing the work at the, at, for, to hit the 10% probability plan, I'm well ahead of what I would have to do at the 90%, right? And so how you figure out those probabilities is you act as if you're a you're an average sales rep, okay? So if you have a 10% chance of hitting 5.25 million, you take what's your ACV, right? So that's your ACV. You divide it by your ACV. So say your ACV at 5.25 million, I'm going to pull up my calculator because I'm not a math whiz, okay? Um, <laughs> is the email whiz, not the math whiz. <laughs> right, 5.25 million. Say your, say your ACV is, I don't know, 50K, right? So you're going to divide that by 50K. So you need 105 deals. Okay, well, 105 deals, right? Um, what is your close rate on every book that you do? Say it's a whopping 25%, right? Every, every one out of every four meetings you book, it closes. So you're going to have to multiply the amount of deals you need by four, which is 420. So now you need 420 meetings. You take 420 meetings, you divide that by 12 every month of the year. That means you need 35 meetings a month. 35 meetings a month is what you need. So whether it's inbound or whether it's not, you have to work that out. But as long as you're planning for the 35%, you can even go nitty gritty with it, right? You can go to what's your average reply rate and you can figure out how many emails you need to send a month to hit that, right? Um, so it's like, you can really get granular with it and you should. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to have full control over your confidence and your mental health throughout hitting your quota because you don't have to do all these crazy things, right? At the end of the day, you just have to book 35 meetings a month. You have to send this many emails. And so long as you're on pace to do that, you're thinking about your 10% plan when your 90% is well, well underway, right? Yeah, no, a thousand percent, man. I mean, it, that's it's so interesting. If you're if you're trying to look so far ahead of things, like those other little goals are just going to be a byproduct of that success. So even if you don't, even if you fail at hitting that ten percent mark, hopefully you'll still be well above whatever those company standards are as well. So, um, so I mean, I think that that's a, a crucial standpoint for anybody who anybody out there of always try to to strive to do more. But um, the other big emphasis, and I know that there's been a lot on the chat uh, about the you know, the, the mental health portion of things as well. That's a big need for sellers as well, especially in this, uh, this down economy, right? It, it's tough because uh, a lot of folks may not be hitting quota. So, so what, what is one of your best pieces of advice, Mike, about how you try to um, navigate some of the, the potential uh, fears or, or, or overcome some of the anxieties and how you could help your mental health and how others listening could help their mental health and sales as well? Yeah, um, workout. Maintain a healthy lifestyle, right? And if working out's not your thing, go find out your favorite hobby. Go find out just something to get away, right? And I mean, like, when I say work out, I don't mean, like, have your phone next to you. I mean, like, when you work out, leave your phone, right? Like, leave your phone on silent or what do you have to do at the at the front door? Use it for music. But, like, really just hone in on yourself. Focus about yourself and, you know, leave everything else away. Put the rest of the stuff at the back of your mind. And the little things that creep up in your mind are kind of like shower thoughts. Sometimes your brain behind the scenes is solving problems without you actively thinking about it. 
Um, and sometimes taking a step back helps. But between working out, between eating, you know, Riley cooks some mean food. Shout out to Riley, right? He posts about it all the time. But like between eating amazing, sleeping, like just the basic fundamentals of living a healthy human life is what's going to help you succeed. Because then everything else just really comes natural, right? But just control what you can control. I can't control if people say no to me. I can't control anything like that. I mean, there's some things I can do to impact it. But a no is a no, right? Like if I could give my best shot, I could send the best email in the world, I could get the best demo in the world. But at the end of the day, if they say no, hey, you know, they said no. It's like I, I did what I can do. You just have to live happily knowing you did whatever you could do, you know, to try to make that no into a yes. Um, and then, you know, that's it. That's no, that's absolutely it. And, and you had a big thing. Uh, one of my my big mentors, Ian Koniak, mentioned focus on the outputs or outcomes. Um, I'm sorry, focus on your outputs, not the outcomes. Again, I, the one of the examples that I love about this is like, you know, so many people beat themselves up if they lose a deal or something that wasn't in their actual control. But the way that I think about that is like, I could hope and wish and I, think about the weather, right? I could wish and hope and dream that it's not going to be raining outside, but I cannot beat myself up if, if indeed it's still going to rain that day, right? So maybe a little woo-woo example, but point being is that the weather is something that's out of our control, much like a lot of the things that may, uh, may lose a deal. But if you know that you did, if you could look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and say, I did 100% every single thing that I could do today, then that's it. There's, there's nothing else. What else could you have done? There's nothing, yeah. right? Yep. <clears throat> It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Now, all right, Mike, let's continue on and keep dropping all these this awesome uh, banter in the chat. Um, if you have any questions that are coming up, we'll, we'll definitely leave some time here at the end to do some, some Q&A. But before we jump into talking about how we could build pipeline, because I know email is a big portion about that. And obviously, uh, congratulations on the big move to Lavender. Um, I was I was joking around, um, you know, because we just brought uh, Alex Bruski on here, too. I see he's in the chat. So shout out to Alex. Um, on the same day that Alex was 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 introducing that uh, he was coming to Lantern, both you and Jen Allen were both uh, announced that you were going to Lavender, and I said, "Oh man, these Lavender people are just one step ahead of us, right? They're just we're just keep we don't one upping, right?" But um, and two, you guys are, are two awesome friends, so so I'm I'm so appreciative for that. But let's talk about how you decided, you know, because you you know we were talking about this before. So you you went directly from the military to Saster, which is like going for, to, to the MLB or to the NFL, right? Then to go to Lavender, which is another unbelievable brand in the SaaS space. How do you go about trying to decide what company you're going to go to? Is there, is there any ways that, that, or any like indicators or any, any um, red flags or, or green flags potentially that you're looking for when you, when you were making the move to Lavender? Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. Uh, there's a lot of them, right? But I think the big three things are kind of standard, right? And they're going to vary if you're, you know, like a lantern um, or even sometimes a lavender. <clears throat> but it's like, as long as they are not churning a ridiculous amount of people, okay? So when you're in your interview, okay, ask what NRR is and what it has been, how it's changed over the last quarter. Because if they tell you NRR went from 80% to 60%, to 50%, you can already tell things are not trending in the right direction, right? You're probably going to be asked to bring on a bunch of net new logos because they're churning so many and that might not turn out the best. 
right? And so there's already a lot of the below the line things that you can figure out before even having to ask the question just by really focusing on NRR, right? Um, the second thing is looking at the product. There's a lot of products that were out there that were born out of COVID that are really good, nice to haves, but is it an actual need? And if it's not a need, can you convey it very clearly as a need, right? Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, I mean, perfect example, right, is like uh, tools that you need, like that help making updating Salesforce easier, right? Do you actually have to have it? No. Would you love to have it? Sure. Now, walking in and, you know, part of being a seller is, are you confident in your ability to, do you know that pain so well that you're confident in your ability to convey it as a need, right? So understand, is the product a need or not? And if it isn't, how confident are you in, in, in your ability to convey it as a need? And then the third one is runway, right? Not a lot of companies have 18 months of runway, but it's a great thing to look for. If a company has 12 to 18 months of runway, you can probably expect that in your first couple months, they're not going to be all over you to close, 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 or, you know, start producing right away. You're probably going to have a little bit of time to really learn and to really do things that you have to do. Um, but that runway is a, you know, is a, is a great one. Um, and then I guess really a bonus is, and it's kind of goes without saying, is look at the people you're going to work with. Are they happy? You know, are they online talking about, you know, the fact that they love work, you know, reach out to them, see how things are behind the scenes, have some, you know, some behind the door connections, like really, really look at the culture and just look at everything that's going on and see if, you know, that's a real place that you would want to work for. Because it could be the best tool in the world. It could be the need to have. They could have great runway and they can have a 120% NRR. But if you don't want to work with the people that are there, you're probably not going to be happy, right? Yeah, I mean, and these are the people that you're going to be spending a, a majority of your time with, right? You're going to be spending them on, you know, on phone calls, on conversations. It's that's a crucial step as well as being able to talk to the, the members of the team prior to joining on, because, um, you know, it, it, you really get the the good, the bad, and the uh, the ugly potentially as well when you when you're finding that out as well. And I love the point that you mentioned uh, net revenue retention. Obviously, that's the big space that Lantern's in right now. But for those who don't know, and I know Alex briefly mentioned something. That's the, one of the, the, the key indicators of, of company health. And it's a big yeah. focus for, for all the venture capital firms that we're talking with. All the major CEOs right now are really hype, hype, fo focused on it because it's that amount of revenue that you brought in over a short amount of time versus the amount of churn that you've had. And one of the examples that I love to use with this portion as well, Mike, is, is think of NRR as a bucket, right? You, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, obviously, if there's a big, big top, the, you know, when you think about your revenue, you want to have a big, full, open top where you're just flowing revenue right in. But if you look at look at the bottom of that bucket and there's a hole, aka churn, if it's a big hole, it doesn't matter if you're if you're bringing in two million dollars a year, but you're churning out a million and a half. That's not a sustainable business model, right? You're losing a significant amount of money. So that's why it's so crucial that NRR to to reduce the uh, the hole at the bottom of that bucket. And I know that that's one of the big things that that Lantern helps with as well. I'm going to stop talking about Lantern, but uh, if that's something, if that's a big focus for, for your teams, obviously hit us up. We're happy to, to chat about that as well. Now, all right, now let's get into the tactical, right? You went to, Lan you went to Lavender. Obviously, they, they are the leaders in, in being your, your AI email assistant, right? Yeah. Let's talk about how you plan some of your quarters and ultimately what's some of your best um, email 
tips are here as well for everyone. So first and foremost, you're coming into to Lavender, and, and obviously I know you guys are um, um, uh, and are not. I'm sorry, you got. I mean, th- there's a number of different things that you guys uh, you guys are PLG is the word that I was trying to look for. But yeah. when when you are um, trying to plan out your territory, let's just say you're going out to hunt net new business, right? How do you go about trying to plan your attack? And ultimately, what does some of those initial email cadences, email sequences look like? And then we'll, we'll dive into the actual content of those emails as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's kind of a loaded question. Uh, so I want to back up and just kind of give, you know, the more overview side of it. And that would be, you know, how do I go about planning who I'm going to reach out to? Uh, one of the best things that you could do is look internally. So whether it's, you know, hey, we have 100 companies that are Series B. They're all Series B when they were brought on, right? Uh, they were all, maybe they all had funding and there was like a common funding thing. I'm trying to find my ICP, right? I'm trying to, as early and as fast as I can, try to figure out where are my easiest and best wins, right? Um, <clears throat> best possible wins. And then say it ends up being, you know, ser- true Series B companies or large Series A that are, you know, Honestly, with Lavender, it's any part of the revenue function, whether you write a, as long as you're writing a customer facing email, you probably want to use Lavender, right? Make sure that you're doing it. So that's what I'm doing, right? I'm going to go reach out to those people. I've identified my ICP. I'm going to go look up those people. Maybe I'm using a Crunchbase, you know, or, you know, an Apollo or whatnot. And I'm going to go filter and go find those companies. And then I'm going to start seeing, okay, which ones are not customers, which ones are, and I'm going to reach out to them. There's a couple different plays that you can run there, okay? Uh, for instance, say I'm reaching out to a demo stack, right? No one else in their space uses an email tool like that. And so one of the things that you can highlight is, you know, with net new business, harder in 2023, right? Everybody knows that. It's harder to get in 2023. One of the things that you can do to separate yourself from the competition is send way better emails, right? Make the first impression much better than everybody else's. Let them stick with the two to 3% reply rates. You come on board, start turning out the 26% reply rates, right? Snag up everybody, get the meetings first and get in the door before anyone else does. And you're way better off, right? That's kind of one of those message tones that you can use. Another one is really towards customer success, right? And not a lot of people are pitching into customer success, but Customer success is a crucial portion of every business and almost more important right now than sales. Especially this day and age, right? Where we're trying to hold on to these customers and a lot of CS teams are actually starting to uh, expand revenue as well, which is a really interesting trend, but- um, It is, right? They are, they're expanding revenue exactly, right? That's an opportunity for you to sell in. And, and And a point of view that I see is no matter who you are, whether you're a partnership manager, whether you're a CS person, whether you're a salesperson, you're an SDRB or anyone who's writing, a customer facing email, right? Every single word you send to that customer needs to have meaning, okay? You don't wanna waste any time. You don't wanna waste anyone's time. You don't wanna have any possible bad email. You don't wanna accidentally send the wrong thing. You want to have your T's crossed and your I's dotted as best as you possibly can when you're sending emails to customers, right? Because the last thing you wanna do right now is churn somebody because that's probably your best potential to expand your revenue as a business, right? At least in the immediate term or in the short term. 
because net new logos, net new deals are just, they're, they're increasing in time. And it's not because teams aren't spending money, right? One of the things that we saw at Saster, right, was, and Jack, if he's still here, he can talk about it, is teams had, you know, a, I'm going to put this out there, a $20 million events budget, right, in 2022. And in 2023, they still have a $20 million events budget. The difference is they're choosing on how they spend money. They're spending more money at, at, you know, the 50 events. So instead of doing 100 events, they're now doing 50. They're still spending 20 million, but you have to do, what you have to do is differentiate yourself from all the other 99 events to make sure that you have a line, you know, on their budget, one of those line items is Saster, right? Or one of those line items is Lavender or Lantern. Right. It's like you just have to go out there and you have to make sure that you're differentiating yourself from the competition early, often and precisely. And, and people need to know. Yeah. And you, to your point, I couldn't have said it better myself, Mike. It's you need to make sure that you're getting ahead of that as well. And, and to your point, you know, customer teams, people are still spending money. There's still business needs that are happening. Right. You know, like, you know, and I didn't realize it until I was a buyer here at Lantern. It's like, oh, wow. Like, guess what? Despite the economy. Right. It's still like there's still business needs that happen. But the the, the more focus is that there's going to be more scrutiny on doing this because the, the stakes of making a bad decision are that much higher as well. So if you're getting out and getting ahead of any of those potential objections that your teams have or the focus is of why you should be a line item, then that's going to set you up for, for success and, and for, um, for an awesome future there as well. Now, let's dive a little bit further into the actual, like, let's get, let's get into email tactics as well. Like, when besides using uh, Lavender to, to help write your emails and, and get, get, all of it, get that 100% score that I know everybody's trying to, to strive for here as well, how do you go about structuring uh, an email? What what is a you know? I know that some people have the, the you know the problem pain and here's how we help kind of thing. What what does an, a successful email look like in your opinion from your success? Okay, successful emails. I got I posted about this today actually, but I just need to set this right. I need to set this one straight. Um, a lot of people view email as the wrong way. They view it as like I don't know if anybody here has seen Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to quote that, right? The, the two miracles, great movie if you haven't seen it, but two miracles need to happen with cold email. And what most people think is miracle number one is it gets open. And then miracle number two is that it gets replied to. That's fundamentally already going to set you up for failure. Okay. Because you're already expecting for this email to get replied to. The two things, you're 50% right, right? The two things that you need are you need your email to get opened and you need it to be read. And then because it was open and because it was read, you should, it will earn a reply. Not a lot of people read emails. If you can somehow trick your reader or you can somehow write a story short and concise enough to where that they are, they're you know, so intrigued that they actually read it through, your reply rate is going to be insane because they're going to sit there at the end of that and say, oh, I just read this entire email through. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let me reply to it. Nice normal sales emails for, okay, it's going to, yeah, okay. All right. Delete. <clears throat> you know? So it's like, sorry. We are, the, we are the leader <laughs> in next gen AI based yada, yada, yada. Right. <laughs> Nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares. No. <laughs> so it's like, 
for your open, though, it goes down to two things. It goes down to your first line and your subject line. Okay, uh, That preview text is crucial. So what we see at Lavender from the 40 million emails that we, you know, that we go through and, and our AI has learned from is one to three word subject lines work. They work best. Capitalizing each letter at the beginning, you know, at the beginning of each word works best for subject lines. Don't ask questions in the subject line. Like, it's just that, right? It's a subject line. Your first text, we'll put out something on this earlier, but like, hello, hey, and hi are the top three kind of <clears throat> things that you can do. Um, never like waste time. So that's your subject line, you know, your first line or whatever. But in your first line, the most common mistake that I see and believe it or not, people still do this, is they say, I hope this email finds you well, or hope this email finds you well, or my name is Mike. I work at Lavender. You don't need to put that, right? Like that's what your subject line is for. Your subject line is to introduce yourself, right? The email should be about them. And so something that I have done is I've created this thing called a one-to-one -one framework, okay? And it's one first line, right? One line needs to be personalized about them. One not or about their business. The other line needs to be relevant about them or the business. Okay. And so as long as I have a personal line about them or, or about the business, and then I have a relevant line about them or the business, then I'm already setting myself up for success. And so what that might look like is this, you know, I'm just riffing here. So bear with me, but it would look like, uh, Hey, Tyler, it could be like my subject line reply rates. Hey, Tyler, in 2023, teams are, you know, or hey, Tyler, in 2023, teams are looking at NRR more than more than ever before with net new business harder to break into and teams having get like, you know, teams having large holes at the bottom of their bucket. Getting your message out is going to be important, you know, and then the my, my line. So I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the business. It's been personal. It's been relevant so far. I'm going to put one line in about me. And that one line is going to say, yeah, you know, getting your message, getting your message out seems, you know, is going to be more important than ever. At Lavender, we can help you by writing better emails faster. Does this seem like something you're interested in, right? Or it, it doesn't have to be like that. It could be, you know, it could be, it could be, uh, you know, open to seeing a, th a, a 30 second. Yeah, no, no, yeah. never ask for, ask for a conversation. Right. So I'm, I would say maybe something like, you know, at Lavender, we can help you write better emails faster. Um, is, does increasing your reply rate and spreading your message more, you know, better uh, seem of importance or seem of interest, right? Something, something along those lines. I'm just riffing. So with me but yeah oh, absolutely right? what's the importance of a soft cta as well so and and what i'm hearing is like we shouldn't be asking people for just like 15 more minutes of time right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so the way that it goes down to is like i'm going to use the little signs here i don't know if you can see it but it's like <laughs> it's going to be you have a salesman right and then you have like you don't want to be that right you want to be a partner and then sales and so if I'm asking you a question and I'm trying to get to know you and I really want, you know what I mean? Like I really am interested about your business. You're more inclined to reply to me. If I just send you something like that and then I just say, do you have 30 minutes next week? It's, it's like hardly ever are you going to get somebody to say, yeah, sure. And if they do, you're probably sending 100 emails to get three replies, right? So 
the, the best thing that you can do and the mindset that you should have for yourself as an SDR, as an AE, as a CS person, as a partnership manager is be a partner, not a salesperson. Partner, not a salesperson, right? Uh, actually genuinely get to know them, care about their business. And then on the second message, so you ask them for information, you can use that information for your demo or for whatnot. On the second message, that's when you can say, would it be worth chatting to better understand or to better, you know, to go through this? Would it be worth a chat, right? Then you can maybe even tie in, you know, some times down there or whatever. You could probably change your signature block to have your Calendly link in it, things like that. That's phenomenal advice, Mike. And for anybody who, who hasn't been taking notes, we'll absolutely have this recording uh, as well. So you'll be able to, uh, to, to check that out as well. Now, we're, we're wrapping up here as soon, Mike. So uh, anybody, please drop some uh, any questions or, or, or anything that you may have to ask Mike down below. We'll be able to jump into that. Before we jump into that, though, Mike, uh, as people start asking some questions, let's talk about how you tie in social selling to all of these emails as well, right? Because obviously it's so important to email, you know, obviously we know that tons and tons more emails are, are being sent. Uh, people are getting tired of email, frankly, as well, which is why um, you guys are here to help people write better emails so they actually get replied to. But let's talk about a multi-channel approach here as well, right? How do people go about trying to um, leverage the, the social media touches in conjunction with some of those emails as well? Right. So one of the things that I do is I'll email them first. The next day, I will connect with them on LinkedIn. Um, just like I usually don't add anything unless, you know, I know them or they know people that I know. Or there's something that I can do. Right. I'll connect with them. I start engaging in their contents that they try to see, you know, they kind of see my name there every once in a while. Um, I go back to my email, email them a couple of times. And then like, but again, every day I'm engaging with their content if they post it kind of thing. Um, but the biggest thing that not a lot of people do is I keep visiting their profile. I want them to see like, you know, when it when you get the notification every day or every morning and it says, you know, 189 people um, visited your profile. It's like, cool, but who was that? And a lot of people click on that. You know, was it a prospect? Was it a not? And then you go from there. Right. And so I like to visit their profile a lot so that they see my name, they see my face. And then after a couple of emails, if they haven't replied to that thread, I'll start a new thread. Completely change it. Right. I'll start a new thread. Phenomenal advice, Mike. Mike, this has been a, a masterclass in the 49 and a half minutes that we've been speaking here as well. Uh, please let me know if there's any other questions down here below. I see, so, I see some, uh, some funny questions and I see Alex has one here as well. Active voice versus passive voice in emails. What's your hot take yeah. on that, Mike? Cool. Um, this is one a lot of people struggle with, and it's a lot easier than you'd think. It's just with an active voice, don't, I mean, so active and passive tones, we all know those. Active, just be current, be present, make sure that, you know, you're talking about what's happening now, right? What's happening right now? Right now, Lantern's message is more important than ever, right? Teams cannot afford to have a, you know, to have a hole in their bucket, right? In the analogy that we were using. And so it's like, talk about now and like, not what, what it was three months ago, right? Not uh, with, you know, I don't know, three months ago, you know, this was happening. You just tend to sometimes write in past tense. You can write like, I did this. No, I do that, right? Like, 
I do sales at Lavender. I sell at Lavender, not I, I, I sell or I sold at Lavender kind of thing. Like it's hard to just kind of talk through, but it's really just more having a present voice versus a past tense voice. It's, it's, it's kind of like that. I would have to read someone's writing to like really, you know, uh, pull it out and try to like highlight it. Right. But on the sense of writing, there's a lot of random words people pull in that you don't need to. Like, I don't need you to say, this is very awesome. It's either awesome or it's not. Like, you know, this sucks. Great. Not this super, this really sucks. I don't need the really, you know, um, or the word that 99% of the time you can delete the word that and your sentence will still make sense. So I, go through, reread your emails, take out the, take out the filler words. I love that. And I, I think of when I'm trying to write emails, I think of like, you think like you say you have a certain budget for this email or it's like currency, right? You, you want to try to use every single word sparingly, or if you have to pay for every single letter or something that you had, you want it to be as quick and as valuable as possible because guess what? That currency is that person's thought energy. And I know I already have a hundred tabs going on over here. I have everything that's, that's focused top of mind for Lantern that I'm already worried about. I can't, I'm not as worried about the email that you're sending me unless it's relevant, important, and, and there's a need that needs to happen right now. And I think that that active voice of, of will ultimately drive urgency as to why that's so important. But if somebody reaches out to me and it, there's an, a message that drives urgency and it's something that actually ties to where my business is based upon something they saw on LinkedIn or something that they saw from our company website, then that's where the, the rubber hits the road and everything comes together. So Mike, that was, that's unbelievable. Final question that I would love to ask you, what do teams need to do for in the email space to keep the lights on in 2023? Yeah, ditch automation, man. Um, it's easy, right? It's awesome to, to write this really cool automated email that you can just send to people, but um, it goes down to the basic fundamentals of the two miracles that you need to get a reply, right? Uh, it's not get them to open it, get them to reply. That's what people think when they create automation and they send a thousand emails a day or whatever, and, you know, ruin their domain. It's just a fundamental, you know, they just don't think of it the right way. And when you do that, you don't care about the body text. That's why people would just say, give me some time. My name is this. I hope it finds you well. They talk about themselves and their solution. They don't talk about the, you know, the person and their company or what they're dealing with. Like that's typically the people who write emails like that are typically the ones who just send this this mass automated email. I can tell you right now, as long as you have a one-line punch for yourself, you have a soft CTA that is kind of similar, all you need to do is really write two lines. You need to write that one-to-one -one line and then make it read a story. And if you can't take three minutes to do that, I mean, literally three minutes, if you can't, you know, if you have lavender, pull up the personalization thing and look at what they're going on social or their company is doing, I personally wouldn't take the time to reply to you. That that's fantastic. Two more final questions that we have here. Oh, I see, I see we have one here. Other, yeah. Can you quickly go over finding key elements in a profile to help personalize? You have any any, you know, obviously you mentioned three minutes, but what's your best piece of advice on that? Yeah. Um Go to their about section, right? Open up their LinkedIn. Uh, go to their about section. If you have lavender, it does it for you um, on the personalization tab, but <clears throat> assume you don't have lavender, right? Um, then what you can do is you go to the about section on their LinkedIn. You can check out if they have anything there. Sometimes they have really good uh, tidbits of information on there. Go see what other companies they worked at. That's a really good one that you can do. Um, 
it's not really too difficult. A lot of people get really, really uh, like caught up on it, right? They get really caught up on this personalization and, and this relevancy. All you're trying to do is just show them, I did some research, right? I took two minutes to look at your profile and see that you're, you know, you're a dog mom. I'm going to talk about that. You know, uh, maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to fill that into my email or maybe it doesn't make sense at the top and I'm going to drop a PS. PS, I hope, you know, Chloe and Liberty are doing well. Oh, how does person know my dog's names? It's like, oh, it's on my about section. Okay. They went to my LinkedIn profile or they saw it on there. They did their research. Okay. You know, Hey, by the way, thanks for asking about Chloe and Liberty. They're doing really good. You know, they're going to get groomed tomorrow or whatever, you know, and, and here you go. Here's some information. Here's, here's your answer. It's like, um, it, it, it can be that simple, right? It doesn't have to be too crazy. So go to their about section, go check what companies they work for. Uh, sometimes personalization is going to the company's website. If they're in marketing, see what their marketing department's doing, compliment it. If they're in sales, see how well their sales team's doing, compliment it, things like that. I love that. Final question here as well. How do we set the expectation? Because I know a, a lot of sales leaders are still expecting their reps to send out a mass, mass, mass amount of emails and just trying to, to do some of that spamming. What's your best piece of advice on trying to help some of these reps to, to say, hey, it, it may, it's not actually working in this specific environment? Yeah. Look at your reply rate. That's it? Right. Look at your <laughs> reply rate. If you're, if, if, I mean, seriously, like, Look at your reply rate. If you send a thousand emails a month, let's just say a month, that's a lot of opportunities you're burning through. With a one or 2% industry average reply rate, you're eventually gonna have to go back to them, right? And uh, it's not gonna be a good look, right? Um, you got a warm, I know Andrew's saying it, right? Like even if you have a warm inbox, you know, there's just, there's just, it's, 2023 is, man, it's, it's the year that you, you have to reach out to people, really do your due diligence. It might take a little bit longer, but it's worth it, right? You have to do that because like I said, people still have the money, but they're not just spending it on anyone and everyone anymore. Everyone's got the tools, right? We went through the modernization of SaaS. That was in 2019 and 2020 and partly 2021. That was the modernization, right, of all these different companies to SaaS. Now, what we're seeing is a competitive environment, right? And what I mean by that is that in a competitive environment, for instance, say HubSpot and Salesforce, it's rare for them to find a company who doesn't have a CRM. So what they have to look out for now is HubSpot is now selling into people who have Salesforce and trying to win over from competition. Salesforce is selling into people who have HubSpot and trying to win over competition right? That's a harder sale. It's rare to find a company who doesn't really have that much competition yet where you're selling into an open opportunity. What I mean by that is they're, they're not with your competitor. If you close them now, they're locked away for a year, right? You take care of them. You show them why they should come back. They're yours. It's, it's not as easy as it was before. Before it was like that. You should someone a message about Salesforce. Oh, I don't have a CRM yet, but I need to modernize. And right now is the perfect time to do it. So yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's get it started. Right? That's, like, that's so what funny. it was. That's unbelievable, Mike. Mike, this has been an unbelievable hour. I know I appreciate everybody in the comments and all of your thoughts and reactions here, but where could people learn more about you, Lavender, and everything else you have going on? Yeah. Uh, I only got LinkedIn. So uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, I mean, my, my social channel is LinkedIn. Um, 
that's 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 where you can reach me. I always try to open, you know, all my I don't get that much messages. Uh, so <laughs> I, I open up my messages. I'll reply back. Right. Um, and then, yeah, where you can learn about Lavender is, I guess, me now. Uh, it used to be I would tell them to go to the Lavender website. You still can. Uh, but I'm happy to help. Uh, I'm happy to help anybody, whether it's an individual user or if it's a team, uh, more, more than happy. And uh, Riley, I'm taking you to lunch. Don't worry. <laughs> Awesome. Mike, thank you so much. As I, as I open the show up, you're obviously an amazing professional, but I hope everybody got to see the amazing human being. And I'm so glad to call you a friend. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you enjoyed the show, it would mean the absolute world if you went to Apple and rated and reviewed the show for me as well, is this is a fantastic way to help grow the show and help to bring in fantastic guests and even more listeners to our tribe. So stay tuned for next episode and have a fantastic rest of your